0: Good morning. Great to see you here this morning and trust that you have had a week in which you've recognized God's presence, that He has been with you, and that you have been focusing on Him and what He wants to do in and through your lives. And we're just glad that this morning you have chosen to come and to be a part of worship here. Um, as Stephen said, we welcomed a new grandbaby this week, Friday night, and, uh, we thank the Lord for bringing Micah and Drew into our family. Um, I thank you for those of you that prayed for Rebecca. Um, they've really had a stressful summer. They've moved to a new, uh, town, a new job, and, and, um, trying to sell the old house and trying to get in the new house and things planned and things falling through. And and finally on Friday, about 2 o'clock, they were able to close on their house. And I think about 6.30, they headed for the hospital. And um, I think it was about two hours later, they she had the baby. Uh, she had called me as they were getting ready to leave and said, Dad, I'm just so exhausted. I don't know how I can do this. And we prayed and asked God to help her and give her strength. And hopefully it would be a short uh, uh, time. And uh, it was, and we thank the Lord for that. And so Cindy and I will be heading up there on Tuesday and pray for us as we go and enjoy some time with our grandkids. The last couple weeks, we have been um, sharing in a series that we started called Fault Lines. And um, uh, these are times in our life that we find ourselves facing circumstances that we know once we go through this, this is going to change our lives forever. All of us have or will face fault lines in our life. And how we respond to them determine the kind of person that we will be. As we said in our first, Mary, uh, uh, in our first message, um, those fault lines are like earthquakes. And the earthquake happens, and it could cause the destruction of an earthquake like happened in Haiti. Or the result of that earthquake on that fault line could create a beautiful, wonderful waterfall like Victoria Falls in Zambia. And we decide by how we respond to these things that come into our life what the outcome will be. And so we're continuing looking at different things, uh, certainly not an exhaustive list, but but we are going to be looking at at a number of things that come into our life that causes us to have to make choices. And what are we going to do? This morning, we are going to be looking at the topic of surviving the perfect storm. Last winter, as you may recall, it snowed. And it snowed some more and we had quite a bit of snow and the snow built up and and uh, uh, there was snow on our roof and snow in our yard. And and finally one day uh, we happened to look and there was water coming down the bathroom and down into the bathroom below. And we thought we had a leak and here it was, there was a ice dam on our back roof. And it had built up and, and the water was now behind it, getting up under and coming down the inside wall. And so I had to do something. So I got a ladder and proceeded to climb up on the roof and began to shovel the snow. And sure enough, there was ice under there four, six inches deep. And uh, I had to do something. So I got a hatchet and began to chop the ice. And uh, things were going pretty good. I was getting a the ice chopped up, but I was also getting closer and closer to the eve, And you have to get it all the way to the eve to get the release, to get that water out. And um, I was sitting there, chopping, when all of a sudden I began to feel my body sliding. And as I looked around, there was nothing in reach to hold on to, except for ice. And I knew trying everything i could do i just was it was just slight it was just like in slow motion and all of a sudden i knew i'm going over and over i went and i fell and it was about a 12 to 15 foot drop there and um i landed and began to check to see if i still had my extremities and and thank god there was snow on the ground and i landed and everything turned out okay, and I got back up on the roof and finished the job. (laughs) Cindy didn't know about it until it was all done. (laughs) But have you ever fallen over the edge into a perfect storm? You know, being a pastor, I have been there when people were falling over the edge. I've been there with them when they've heard the doctor say for the first time, it's cancer. And there's nothing we can do. I've had them sit in my office and I've heard the pain of my spouse has left. What am I going to do? I've sat in my office and taken a phone call telling me to get to the hospital right away or get to the scene of an accident. They need you there right now. I can remember even in my own life as a teenage boy hearing that my father had been burned very badly and then my mom and I fighting to find ways to keep him alive to get him to help when we were down in the islands I can remember getting a phone call from Rebecca when she was so excited they had been trying to have children for years and couldn't have children and all of a sudden she calls and says dad I'm pregnant And we were so excited, but before the week was out, I got another phone call and said, Dad, I have cancer, and they can't treat it because I'm pregnant. What happens when life hits you with a perfect storm? The perfect storm is not necessarily the result of something we've done. It's not a punishment. It's a crisis that comes on us gradually sometimes or or sometimes in an instant. uh, And it forever changes the landscape of our lives. It's that body slam that knocks us off our feet and sends us scrambling for answers for somewhere to get some solid ground beneath our feet. And we've all seen these kind of crises uh, or been in one ourselves. And we're afraid of them. We can feel ourselves falling over the edge uh, and we know that there's no stopping this. Nothing is going to keep us from falling over the edge and knowing we are going to hit the ground somewhere there below and what will be the outcome. These forces are beyond our control. We can't fight them away. We can't outsmart them. You can't run from them. We can only hunker down and know that they're coming and wait them out. It's what the mystic John of the cross called the dark night of the soul. In Acts chapter 27, we find the story of the Apostle Paul, who literally sailed into a perfect storm. Paul had been in a storm of his life for some time. He had gone, returned from his missionary journeys, and had gone back to Jerusalem. Uh, and there, the chief priests and Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, uh, had arrested him, and he had been in prison for two, a little over two years. Uh, he had been accused and and brought before the governor Felix, and Felix had heard his case and. And he didn't want to offend, but yet he didn't want to convict, and he had put it off. And finally he had moved on to another area. A new governor had come in, Festus. And he heard the case. And then the king, King Agrippa, decided that he would hear the case. And and Paul just saw himself languishing here in prison. And so, being a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar and said, I want to appear before Caesar And so now he was on board an Egyptian vessel that was on its way to Rome. Uh, They were charting a course across the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, And even though it was close to the end of the sailing season in which uh, most ships would pull into port and and wait out until spring, the Bible says that a gentle south wind began to blow. And so the captain decided that, well, maybe we can make it to the next leg of the har- uh, uh, of the journey and harbor in, uh, in Crete, and there we will wait it out over winter. And so the scripture says, Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cada, we were hardly able to make we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. A typhoon had blown up and and hit this small vessel that, that Paul and the others were on, and things began to spiral out of control. They were literally passing ropes uh, over the bow and under the ship and, and tying them up to hold the ship together. They had thrown the cargo overboard. They had thrown the ship's tackle overboard. And then finally they, they gave up all hope of ever being saved, of ever making it out alive. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where the storm of life just seems so overwhelming that you just got, you tried to hold things together and you just thought, what can I do? There's no hope. Let's look at some elements that we find when when we get into these situations, when the perfect storm of life begins to hit. Let's take a look at several things we find uh, in this storm. The first thing that we find is we start out with expectations. It said when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity and so they weighed anchor and sailed uh, along the shore of Crete. Everything looked good. They, 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 they saw, the felt the wind and, and the captain felt this would be opportunity to get ahead and, and so they took the risk Maybe didn't seem like quite a risk at the time, and off they went, and they never saw the the storm coming. There wasn't any Doppler radar, there wasn't any Yankee weather, and so they were just going by what they could sense uh, and what they could feel. You know, most of us believe that life is kind of elastic. It it might get really stretched at times, uh, but we believe that eventually uh, it will snap back to normal. And we fight to protect our normal at all costs. Just this week I was sitting with someone who was facing their own perfect storm. And they said to me, Bob, never in my life did I ever think that it would come to this. Expectations. The most despairing people in the world are those who no longer have expectations or hope. Who have given up on their old normal, and they can find no joy in the new normal that they face. We all have expectations. And when expectations are dashed, what happens? What do we do? The storm is brewing, and all of a sudden the things we hope for and dream just don't seem like they might be possible. And then there is loss. Uh, there is loss. Uh, Paul uh, and the ship, those on the ship, lost control. They ultimately lost the ship. And they lost everything that they possessed. They were putting ropes, as I said, under to just try to hold things together. This is the moment that we face when we're, we're, we we feel totally threatened, when the thing that was not supposed to happen, happens, uh, and it devastates us. In a crisis, there's always something that is lost, something we value, something we think we need, something that is precious to us, something that maybe we have taken for granted all our life, uh, and This occurs on different levels. Sometimes we lose things that are tangible. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's our marriage. And on another level, we lose uh, the intangible things. Maybe we don't even notice it at first, but the pain can be even greater and longer lasting uh, when we lose the intangibles and when we lose those things we can touch and feel. The man who discovers the love letters hidden in his wife's email loses more than his wife. He loses his self esteem. He loses his place in their set of friends. He loses his security, his hope. The person who has lost their job uh, loses more than just income. They are insulted that they are no longer needed after they have given so much to the company. There's the inability maybe to find a new job and the hopelessness or the helplessness of of not being able to be there for the family. Almost every loss is connected with other losses. And usually the internal ones are greater or harder than all. That brings us to futility. He said, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And then on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. This is the helplessness that we feel uh, when our efforts don't seem to work. We've tried everything. We've put the rope around. We've tried the knot and try to hold things together, but we know we've lost control. There's no way we can work our way out of this. Sometimes that control is taken from us, as I said, all at once. But more often and many times, we lose it piece by piece. And when this happens, uh, so many times our tendency is to blame someone. To blame something, some entity. Somebody is responsible for this. And because we blame, we're trying to find a reason for this. When sometimes there's just no reason. There's no answer. There's nothing to explain it away. And if we're really honest... We know that the hardest thing we are dealing with is not the loss itself, uh, but the knowledge that we're no longer in control, that we can no longer do anything about it. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we blame. But both of those responses are are trying to control our perfect storm, uh, which leads us to the next element, the creeping awareness that this is our fate said when neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging we finally gave all hope up all hope of being saved fate occurs when the future crashes in uh, to the present when we when it becomes apparent that things are going to be this way maybe for the foreseeable future maybe forever and we are staring into the face uh, of a new normal and it's so very different than anything that we could have ever imagined, so different than what we hoped for, so different than our dreams. Uh, And fate can be a devastating blow. When our normal is ripped from our hand, no matter how tenaciously we have tried to hold on to it. This is often times when we choose to quit. If we can't control things, uh, then we will control how they end. And the extreme of this is when people get to that point and they take their own life. But many times it doesn't get to that. Sometimes it's just that we've stopped caring. We've stopped loving. We let anger and frustration and resentment just become our way of life. Uh, People like this sometimes never leave that storm because they are so caught up in just themselves and where they are. This crisis is not just the loss, but this crisis, if we stay there, can become our future normal. And we don't want that to be. But then the final element we want to look at this morning is faith. Now this can go several ways when we talk about faith in the crisis of life. One expression of faith is our belief that God is good. And because God is good, He wants my good, and my good is my normal. And therefore, God wants to protect my normal. And many times we go at it because we think that that's what the Bible promises us. That if I pray and I have faith, that God will do what I say. We declare that God has done it. We claim it. We shut our eyes and we wait for God to do what we told Him that we want done. And it doesn't happen, maybe. What we visualize doesn't come about. And our faith is shaken. For some, their faith could be shattered. But the trouble is not our belief in miracles, because God does do miracles. The problem is not that we have believed and tried to act in faith. The problem is with our finite understanding of what good is because we look at good because this is my normal this is my good uh, and god many times uh, sees it a different way we cannot possibly understand sometimes uh, that in that the good god has for me is wrapped up in a storm that he is trying to get me somewhere to be able to do in me something that will make me that instrument that he can use in a better way. Trapped in our humanness, we consistently want for ourselves less than what God wants for us. That's our human nature. We are satisfied with this because it's our normal. And God is saying, I I, I want something else. I want something more for you. We want things that are not necessarily wrong, but they're not going to make us happy. And if we are honest with ourselves, we know that sometimes when we are exercising faith, that it can just be me negotiating or trying to negotiate with God to get me back to where I consider normal. The power of the perfect storm is that it loosens our grip on these things that we clutch. The very things that God is saying, just let go. Maybe even throw overboard. Cargo was important, it was precious, it was good. The tackle were things that they needed. But He said, throw it overboard so that we can receive something more from God. But our faith is also what does sustain us through the storm. In verse 22, Paul begins to give us a glimpse that that not only would he survive this fault line, but he was going to grow through it. Uh, It says, but now I urge you. He's talking to all of the passengers and the crew. He said, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we are, we must run aground on some island. For Paul, there were two realities that were going on side by side simultaneously. The one was something that he could see. The wind was raging. They had lost their cargo. They had lost their tackle. The ship was literally breaking up beneath their feet. The other reality was something that God had told him. God was saying, Yes, I hear you. There is going to be a shipwreck. This ship is going to be a million pieces. But I have a plan to get you through. God had a purpose for Paul. And the storm that he faced uh, could not destroy what God wanted to do uh, if Paul would be obedient to the plan. Uh, Both of these things were true. And they were true at the same time. And the harder the one hit, the Harder the storm hit, the more that he clung to what God said. God said, Stay on the boat until the end. And some of them wanted to jump ship, and Paul said, Don't. If they jump ship, we lose God's protection. And the captain trusted Paul to the extent that he cut the lifeboats free uh, so that they couldn't leave. Uh, Paul said, Keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. This is real faith. The capacity to stand firm in the midst of our storm-tossed life because we have heard God's voice. Yes, we see the storm. Yes, we see the waves. Yes, we feel the ship shifting beneath our feet, uh, but we also believe the other reality. And the reality is that we see God who will get us through, not just somehow, but He will get us through triumphantly. Every storm takes something away from our normal. And we have to cut it loose, throw it overboard even, like He did the cargo on the ship. You see, it's never God's plan to protect our normal or to protect our expectations. God may not rescue us. I know this goes against the, what a lot of preachers say today, but look at God's Word. God doesn't always take us out of the fire, but He does promise to cover us. This past week I was reading one of my favorite writers, Joel Rosenberg. And his blog, he was talking about sitting down here recently and talking to uh, Pastor Saeed's wife. Three years ago, Pastor Saeed, three years ago yesterday, Pastor Saeed was arrested in Iran and sentenced to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He was born in Iran. And in ni- he was born in 1980 and he was raised as a Shiite Muslim. In his teens, he was recruited by a radical Muslim group and, and he was preparing to be a suicide bomber and was going to be a martyr for the jihad. But in 2000, God came to Saeed and revealed the truth of Jesus Christ. And at age 20, he renounced Islam, became a follower of Jesus Christ, and began to not only grow, but to disciple others. And as he grew in his faith, he became very active in sharing the gospel in Iran and led many people to Christ and discipled many people and he said he was part of the ones that set up a network of churches in Iran and they got over a hundred churches in 30 different cities and several thousand members. In time, Saeed had an opportunity to come to the United States and he came and to make a long story short, he met a, uh, his wife-to-be and they got married and he became a dual citizen, did a, dual citizen of Iran and and the U.S. They had two children and they had this burning desire to help the people of Iran to know Jesus. And so he began making trips back to Iran to encourage the underground church to do what he could to help and encourage and strengthen that church. But in 2012, when he was there on a trip, He was arrested by the Iranian government. He was beaten. He was sentenced to death uh, because uh, 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 he had converted to Christianity and he had become an apostate in the eyes of Islam. And he was leading others uh, to apostatism as they were looking at it. And they threw him in jail. In the three years since, Saeed has been beaten many, many times. uh, not only by the the officials in the jail, but by other inmates. Just this past week, his wife shared that just since last Sunday, in interrogations, he was tasered time and time again uh, because he will not renounce Jesus Christ. Uh, Yet through it all, God has shown His mercy and presence in the midst of Saeed's storm. uh, And even has performed miracles there. His wife said that Saeed has shared the gospel with many of the prisoners that he is with. Some of them have been political prisoners, former high-ranking government officials. Uh, Some of them are hardened criminals. But dozens of them have given their life to Jesus. Prison officials became so infuriated that he was leading prisoners to Christ. They, They moved him to a different cell, to a different area. But there were more prisoners there that gave their life to Christ. And so they tried moving him to a different prison. But still, wherever he went, people were accepting Jesus as their Savior. They finally put him in a cell with the worst criminals uh, that there were, murderers on death row. And they warned him, don't speak of Christ. These guys will kill you. But Saeed prayed that God would protect him that he would soften the hearts of these murderers. And he said that God began coming to these murderers in their cells in visions and dreams, uh, Jesus coming and appearing to them and calling them to Him. And they began to turn to Saeed and said, What is this? Who is this? And he began leading them to Jesus. Uh, Saeed believes that One of the reasons the Lord has put him in prison is to reach Iranians there that would never, ever have a chance to hear the gospel. God is using light in the darkness. In the midst of Saeed's perfect storm, God is at work. Whether the storm will subside, God only knows, or whether he will be killed there, or whether he will be returned to his wife, we don't know. But no matter what happens, God promises to go with us. The three Hebrew children in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that God could deliver them, but they didn't pin their faith on whether or not he would do what they wanted him to do. They were told, you must bow down before this golden idol of the king and and worship him or you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. But this was their reply. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want you to, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. God did not rescue them from that fire. Instead, he went into the fire with them. The ropes that they were bound with burned off. And Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, Your Majesty, we certainly did. Look, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Jesus comes to us in the midst of our storm, like He did to the Apostle Peter on the stormy Sea of Galilee. And He comes in the midst of our storm, uh, And what he does is invites us to walk on the water with him. God has so much more than we can ever imagine. So many times we settle for just asking him to calm the storm. When what he wants is for us to experience what it is to walk on the water with him. We ask Him to make it easier. And what He wants to do is to make us stronger, to make us more like Him. Someone has said, if God is in the storm, then the storm is the safest place to be. There's an old song I used to sing years ago. I'm going to try to sing it after. Preaching twice, I hope I'll make it through. But at least listen to the words. And I trust that this will be the song for you if you're in the midst of your storm. That you will know that God may not always take us out of the storm, but he does promise to give us peace. To be with us and walk through that storm with us. oh in the world that I've been living in, Collapses at my feet, and when my life is all tattered and torn, though I'm windswept, I've been battered, I'm going to cling to his cross, and I'll find peace in the midst of my storm there is peace in the midst of my storm tossed life he's my anchor he's my rock to build my faith upon Jesus Christ is my vessel, so I fear. No alarm, He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. Now when my spirit has been broken till it's mast in misery, when the doctor shakes his head, And looks forlorn. Jesus comes to make my bedside. A cathedral of faith and love. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. When in 24 short hours. Years of living are brought to moments. When life's final picture is taking form, in the dark room of my suffering, I see a light come shining through, and he'll give me peace. In the midst of the storm. And He'll give you peace. In the midst of your storm. Toss life. He's an anchor. He's the rock. To build your faith upon. Jesus Christ is my vessel. So I fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. And He'll give you peace in the midst of your storm. We don't always know why the storm comes. But Paul... It meant shipwreck, but on the island of Malta, he was able to share and to preach and to bring healing to many people that brought sick to him, and they were healed. He went on, finally, ended up in in Rome, and it wasn't there that he found, oh, my normal was back. No, there he was in jail for another couple years while he was there he was able to minister to those who were the jailers and from what we understand the possibility is very real that through him and the jailers uh, the ones that were taking uh guarding him that the church in rome was birthed and many many people came to know jesus in the end paul lowered his head and an executioner took his head off. But all through the journey, he had peace. He had the peace of the knowledge that God was with him through the storm. And that sustained him and allowed him to become the man of God that we know him to be that has helped shape even our understanding of who God is. As God takes you through the storm your reaction to it could help shape, shape someone's understanding of who God is. Will they see God? Or will they see you frantically scrambling to control and to tie down your ship and we're going to make this and I will not accept that this could be different than what I expected. The question isn't if we will face storms. The question is when. Some of you are there. Some of you are struggling even right now. But I give you the hope that God is there. If God is in the storm then the safest place to be is there. He loves you and he'll see you through. What will this storm do to you? Will it destroy you? Will you just become a statistic of the shipwreck or will you triumph and become the person that God wants to make you for having gone through the storm? May God bless you. May God help you to live triumphantly. Shall we stand? Almighty God, I don't know all the storms that we are facing individually here this morning, but I know storms come, and I know sometimes they can rock our world. Lord, help us to accept that you don't always take us out of the storm. But you have promised to be with us even in the storm. Lord, I pray that you will get glory out of whatever you choose to do in our lives. That you will get glory because people will see in us, Jesus, that they will see in us the power of God to weather the most difficult things we may face. So Lord, I just pray your blessing upon each of us here. I pray, dear Lord, that you will give us strength for this week, give us wisdom on how to act and the choices that we make. May we always bring glory to you through our obedience. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.